0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Incubator podcast series. I'm your host, Hamza Zaveri, and today we're going to be discussing one of my favourite topics and an area that is really heating up at the moment, and that is investments in the legal tech space. Let me welcome Ben Mayer, a partner at private equity firm HG Capital, who is joining from New York, and Matt Pears, the Chief Operating Officer or COO of Linklaters. Welcome both. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Ben, how are things in New York? Have the Christmas lights gone up already? Yeah,
1: unfortunately, as we, as we go further and further uh, into time here, things, things get pulled forward in terms of Christmas lights. So I think they went up right after Labor Day in early September.
0: Yeah, it's good to hear that London is not the only keen one. <laughs> well, I'm really excited about the conversation because we're going to be getting two really interesting perspectives One from the side of an investor who invests and sits on the boards of legal tech companies and the other from the side of someone who operates a magic circle law firm and looks at buying the tech products from those companies. To start off with, Matt, would you like to introduce yourself? And then Ben, maybe you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about HG Capital.
2: Yeah, certainly. So I'm Matt Pears. I have got responsibility at Linklater's as the global COO, as you, as you rightly said, uh, and my responsibility there is to make sure that all of the services that are provided in support of our lawyers serving clients are meeting the needs of those clients. In addition to that day job, um, I'm also the firm's or act as the firm's CIO, so Chief Information Officer. Uh, and in, in that regard, I run the technology function at Linklaters globally on a day-to-day basis. So I kind of wear two hats, uh, and I get involved in all of the interesting projects that are underway across the firm that involve technology and those that don't. And actually, in today's world, more projects involve technology than don't. Great,
1: and I'm Ben Meyer. I'm a partner at HG Capital, which is a private equity fund uh, that specializes in making software investments. Um, in terms of the firm, we're one of the largest specialized software investors on the private side, I would say in all of Europe and in the US. In fact, in Europe, we're arguably the largest. And if you if you were to consolidate our portfolio of about 25 or 30 companies, we'd be one of the top five or so software slash technology businesses in all of Europe, just by way of example, in terms of size. Um, How we try to specialize or or differentiate ourselves is, one, we're we're focused only and specifically on software. And in some cases, tech-enabled or software-enabled services. Um, Within those areas, we focus on a number of different end markets. The legal technology space is one of those end markets. Um, We also have an operations team that helps our management teams Help grow their companies, so we try to we try to bring more of a growth mindset to the investments that we're making alongside of our, our management partners. And then finally, we try to bring some element of flexibility in terms of the amount of amount of money that we can invest into a business around the the, the desired thesis that we'll try and back our management teams to uh, to, to realize. Um, Historically, our firm has been almost entirely European-facing, although over the last two to three years, we've made a few investments into the United States Of the four investments in the U S two are actually in the legal technology space. One is a business on the legal corporate side, which is a matter management software business called Mitra tech, uh, which is sold into general counsel offices and large enterprises. And then the other one is a business called the microsystems, which is a legal document productivity software solution that's sold into law firms principally in the U S and in in Europe. I am a partner within the firm. I help co-run our U S practice in our U S office. In um, one of the areas that I specifically focus on is making investments into legal technology or legal software.
0: So you touched on HG Capital's investment focus and how legal tech fits within that. Um, what is so attractive about the legal technology sector from an investor perspective? Yeah, it's a good question.
1: So the way that i the way that I think about it is there's probably four characteristics uh, that attract me to to legal software. And frankly, uh, before I go into that, i'll I'll just also note that prior to joining HG, uh, I was fortunate enough to have made investments in two other legal software and services investments in in history. And then I'm obviously associated with our Latera investment here and to a certain degree, our Me tech investment as well. So it's been an area that I've been around for quite some period of time. Um, but as, as we kind of think about it in terms of areas of interest for us, there's kind of four, there are four key points or characteristics that, that resonate with us. One is <clears throat> within the the legal spaces is what we, what what we tend to see is definitely a, a desire by corporate clients, um, in terms of having their law firms, um, do more for less. So some element of, of fee pressure, but then also, um, interacting in an increasing way from the corporate side with their law firms in a tech enabled or collaborative tech enabled way. The second, the second area is that arguably, a uh, law, the, the legal space is definitely a very highly skilled, uh, labor force. And also because of that, um, can be, can be quite expensive and very well compensated. And so, Software solutions and tech solutions are meant from our perspective to help that labor force be as productive as humanly possible. And therefore that helps drive some, some technology and software adoption along the way. The third one is, is that what we see or feel in the legal space is that there's definitely, from our perspective, a network effect amongst law firms and law firm CIOs where they're very much, um, friends and collaborators amongst firms and will recommend or recommend software solutions and share problems and how to tackle those solutions and so there's this network effect in terms of adoption of certain vendors certain software solutions to enable their 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 lawyers to be more productive but then also to solve solutions and issues and then the final one is is that with trust being what we feel is a very key notion within the law the law space Um, with that network effect and within the the law firm CIO's perspective, we feel like they're very much akin to trying to find trusted vendors that they will look to back and buy increasing amounts of software solutions from, from over time. And so when you take all of those four characteristics together, there's an ability for us to find companies to back to become market leaders in certain sub niches within legal software. And that's typically what we're trying to do from an investment standpoint
0: Sure. And for some of our listeners, they might have heard CIO dropped a few times. And that is a chief information officer that looks after the IT side of a business and that looks at investing in technology products. It's well recorded that in 2018, the legal tech sector hit the billion dollar mark in terms of investments flowing into this space. And this year, the investments have surpassed the billion dollar mark already. Um, So with the boom we're seeing... In the legal tech startups and investments how do you think the industry will develop um are there too many legal tech tools and companies in the market um and you know is this a bubble i think from our perspective the way that we look at the legal tech landscape is it kind of
1: depends upon whether there's a proliferation of of innovative solutions and and legal startups depending upon what sub-niche you're talking about if you think about certain areas like practice management uh, which is effectively a solution that allows uh, a law firm to run its practice, or in the document management space in terms of document repository, a lot of those areas have been consolidated down to one, two, maybe three vendors. Um, whereas in other areas, like in the Latera part of, of the market, in the legal document productivity space, that is still very highly fragmented. Um, and so there is a lot of from our standpoint, a lot of innovation, a lot of uh, companies being started up. And frankly, um, I, I consider that to be a good thing for a number of reasons. One is I think um, uh, innovation uh, in, the, in the fact that it, it, in terms of these business, businesses being started up shows that there's still continued amounts of pain points that law firms and law firm uh, CTOs or CIOs are looking to solve. Um, and there's a lot of creative people, a lot of innovation going on to be able to solve and tackle those problems. Again, going back to some of the demand side, things that we had talked about before earlier. Uh, the second thing is I think it shows that innovation and technology is increasingly cropping up um, at a higher level of managing partners within, in terms of their agenda within law firms, which I think is a, is a good thing. And then frankly, the, the third thing around just innovation is I, I generally think it's a good thing because um, it helps keep technology fresh Products current, it helps in terms of uh, incumbent providers continue to be, to invest in their solutions to continue to become, to be competitive. And so I consider innovation overall to just be a, a very positive thing. With that said, though, and I'd love to get uh, Matt's perspective on this, but what we consistently hear in the marketplace is that law firm, chief technology officers or chief information officers um, definitely feel as though that there are a, quite a number of vendors out there that there is quite a bit of vendor fragmentation and in certain areas of legal technology, some order of vendor consolidation by again, a trusted vendor would be very preferred. Um, And so that that's one of the counters that I would, uh, that I would, I would mention here as well.
2: Yeah. And Ben to just to to respond immediately to that point, some of the, the first couple of words that came to mind as the question was being posed was that, Consolidation is inevitable. And, and I think, and I'll come back to that in a minute, but I think rather like Ben, this is a, it's a good thing for the legal industry that we are seeing such investment. It is very positive to see good ideas being given funding and backing and people being able to explore how technology solutions can help lawyers in their day-to-day jobs, can help those support teams that are working in different law firms, provide different ways of working and I am pleased that innovation seems to be getting more and more established pathways in these organisations. I think innovation is on the agenda of the executive. I sit on the Linklaters exec and we are spending an increasing amount of time talking about technology and technology related tools so it is something that is high on the agenda. People understand what the, what the scope is But at the same time, you have to then drill down into what are all these solutions that are coming to market. Do technology teams have enough time to evaluate solutions properly? We're always very concerned about the security model around solutions. We want to know how the integration with the other tools that we have is going to work. Lawyers tell us continually they don't like having to flip-flop between different applications on their desktop. They just want to be in one place and have all the available things they want in that one place. There's also a whole pile of tools out there that I regard as being tools without a problem. So someone's got a good idea but and you're faced with it and you look at it but you think, but actually where is where is that tool solving a problem in our firm? There's quite a few of those, and they, interestingly, those are often a number of the tools that attract the headlines. and And you get, I, I am always amazed at the number of people quoting AI in all the solutions that they're pushing at us. But actually, when you drill into it, AI is often what not what we need right now. AI is something that has long term value. I don't get me wrong, but in terms of is AI something that has got practical solutions today for lots of law firms, I would argue that the answer is no. And I would argue that we've got some way to go before we start to worry about AI. There are a number of steps to go through before we get there. Um, but the, the legal tech startup landscape is, it is providing a bit of a bubble, um, but I think that is good to help us accelerate investment. I think legal has been regarded as being behind other sectors for some time so this level of investment enables the the legal industry as a whole to raise its game and that's got to be good for clients it's got to be good for law firms it's got to be good for investors like HG yeah now just
1: I would just add on top of that where, where we specifically come into play is providing providing capital along what mata just mentioned to help with some of that vendor consolidation um, but in we what we really try to do is in a very friendler friendly and customer facing sort of way, not just for the sake of vendor consolidation, but to the extent that we can, um, we can we can back a management team, back a business that understands its customers and its customers' needs very well, has a strategy. We can continue to invest significant amounts of money in product and research and development. Um, to, to better just provide solutions for our customers, uh, which is which is an important point and, and just certainly the perspective that we take as an investor.
2: Yeah, and I think just to sort of build on that, I think when you're running a technology team, we are looking to one of the points that Ben made around having vendors that you can trust, vendors that have got the right skills, not only with implementation, but also with ongoing support. You want confidence that the product is going to be something that is invested in it over a number of years and not just a flash in the pan that will be gone this time next year, particularly if you're going to make it enterprise ready. And I think the the legal space has been full for quite a while of lots of vendors who, who are not well set up to deliver in perpetuity. And I think we've got to, we all have a duty to try and make sure that where these new technologies are coming in, that they are they are technologies that are going to be sustainable in our firms for many years to come.
0: Sure. And for some of our listeners, consolidation is when the smaller companies in an industry merge with or acquire each other to form a few much larger companies. Um, and I think that leads us quite nicely into getting more into HG Capital's recent investment activity. So... HG Capital invested in Latera Microsystems earlier this year. And for some of our listeners who may not be familiar, Latera Microsystems is a well-known player that develops tools to help lawyers work more efficiently with documents. And that's throughout the whole document lifecycle. So for all of the future lawyers out there, this will be making your lives easier when you come into law. So HG Capital acquired Latera. And then, Ben, you also acquired Workshare Transact, and then you subsequently acquired Doxley and integrated those two businesses into Latera. So can you briefly explain how these three entities fit in with each other?
1: Sure. Yeah. So we um, we, we closed on the initial acquisition and slash investment of Latera uh, during the summer. It was in late May, early June. And then subsequent to that, as you had mentioned, we had bought or we we, uh, we purchased another business, Workshare. And then subsequent to that, we purchased another business, Doxley, and ended up integrating the three together. Um, Essentially, what LaTerra does, as you had mentioned before, was it's a a set of solutions that helps lawyers create, repair, and compare uh, legal documents and legal contracts. And to your point earlier, frankly, the perspective that I take is it helps a lawyer be very highly efficient or more productive in that document creation repair or compare process so that a, so that a lawyer can go home earlier is <laughs> frankly what we try <laughs> to do um, which i think is a good thing by the way um, and just you know sa- save you. save some time um, and frankly if if you are a lawyer at probably at arguably a, a a large a very large or a mid-sized law firm again within the US and in the UK, uh, you are likely using one of our solutions within the Microsoft Office Suite to to do those various uh, document creation, repair, and compare uh, features. Um, Really, where this came about was, again, going back to the, the vendor fragmentation and innovation in the market and some of those consolidation themes that we were talking about before is when we were canvassing the legal technology space, we noticed that within legal document productivity area, which is where Latera fits, there's a whole host of vendors that provide very specific solutions along that document creation, compare and repair continuum or legal document productivity continuum. Um, we, we felt that it was highly fragmented, that there were likely too many vendors that were out there. And what we consistently heard in terms of our work in the industry with law firms was there was a desire to consolidate those vendors into one cohesive solution, uh, again, backed by a management team that understood law firms needs, um, and 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 could continue to to sort of provide support to that ongoing product going forward and what what came back from our work in scanning the industry was just this this business, this management team, this product over at Latera being, being no, noticed as being one of those forward thinking management teams and companies. Um, and frankly, what we felt was probably in quotes that trusted vendor that we could get behind to help with some of this consolidation in this very fragmented legal document productivity space. And so that's where, where this idea bore out from. So we ended up uh, making that acquisition and investment first. And then along the lines of the continued vendor consolidation theme and story, that's how we happen upon Workshare, which was another one of these businesses in the legal document productivity space. And then frankly, Doxley as well, which is a bit more in conjunction with one of the products at Workshare, which is Transact, which is a bit more in what we call the transaction management space, which is effectively helping to automate and make more efficient transaction closings, transaction checklists, signature management um, it, for any type of transaction closing, whether that's on the M&A front, whether that's on the financing front, whether that's on the real estate front, um, where we felt that that was still a highly um, manual Paper based process. And these are tools that make that a bit more efficient. It helps digitize them. And in fact, frankly, when we did the Doxley acquisition, we did the closing of Doxley and the purchase of that on the Doxley platform. And me being, you know, a fairly long, long time private equity professional, it was a heck of a lot easier to do it that way (laughs) than what I'm typically used to seeing uh, in the paper based. Paper based world of getting all of my signatures together, getting all of my, uh, final closing documents together, getting that Bible together, getting the checklist done. It was just a highly automated and way more efficient process to, uh, to do. So that's a bit about Latera and the rationale of, of purchasing in Workshare, of purchasing in Doxley and how, uh, we're trying to play that vendor consolidation theme in, in concert with what we hear consistently from our law firm clients.
0: And um, just bringing the conversation back to Matt's previous mention of there being, you know, too much choice for buyers of legal tech and some of the legal tech not really solving any problems. There have been some interesting developments around one or two platforms being created, which will filter through legal tech applications for law firms and provide firms with more curated access. So kind of like how we would scroll through the iTunes app store to find applications, law firms could scroll through these platforms to find relevant legal tech apps in order to download them and start paying for their services. So essentially, they'll be acting as a gateway and connecting buyers and sellers of legal tech products. So Matt, what do you make of that? You know, is it a step in the right direction?
2: It's a step in the right direction. um, And I think that it's a way of opening the market up for kind of call it approved or certified solutions now there's lots of debate that we could have and we probably don't have time now to go into it in terms of can all firms buy all solutions on the types of platforms that you talked about, certainly in the way that they're currently being curated, I see a number of different benefits. So firstly, there's a there's a kind of try-before-you-buy concept here, which could work quite well. Lots of these transactions are likely to be priced on a, on a kind of – or lots of these pieces of software are likely to be priced on a per-transaction basis. So rather than us have to commit to a long-term contract – it will enable firms to test out different solutions that are on the platforms, maybe in specific parts of a practice area or a different region or something like that. I think that's of benefit. I think if solutions have been pre-certified, it saves a load of work that goes on every time you're acquiring new software in How does the security fit with your requirements? So that'll be pre-certified. That's got to be a step in the right direction. I think there's something about helping smaller law firms come up to the level of some of the larger firms in this. If you can give access to some smaller firms, to some of the tools the larger firms are using, it makes it easier for us to conduct our business globally. And I think it gives the legal industry as a whole a more positive light or lets it be seen in a more positive light. I think that there are a number of things around, I talked before about how you interface to these solutions. Actually, if we as LinkLators can create one secure interface into a platform from which we can get access to lots of other tools, it will save us time and in integration. And integration is one of the many pain points that we have as IT leaders, or I have as an IT leader, uh, and, and therefore it's got to make my life simpler. Um, but at the same time, Linklatus has a very complex IT estate. So I don't want to overplay the fact that this is going to be super simple for us to use, uh, but I think the platforms have got some, they've got some life in the future that will be of benefit to us.
1: I agree with everything that Matt had said. I mean, we're we're eagerly watching some of the developments in this in this market, and certainly how one it, it'll affect some of our investments that we've made, or how to change the perspectives or, or areas that we should be thinking about making investments in the future. I would say that from our perspective, it's still very early days. Um, on the positive, so it's it's kind of difficult to tell exactly where this will go. I think I think one of the things that we've noticed within. Uh, a number of end markets that we invest in and in particular in the law firm or legal space is, is adoption can quite with new solutions can, can be somewhat difficult in terms of um, you know, getting people to change (laughs) and and adopt new solutions is, is sometimes a, a bit of a difficult thing to do. So any type of development or innovation that can be done to help speed with the, the procurement process and/ or increase adoption of these innovative solutions we think is a very is a very positive thing again going back to the positives that I had mentioned around innovation before on on the on the flip side though um, what what we see here too and we're eagerly trying to see how these things develop is is again we've, we've talked about or at least what we've felt we've seen is a desire by by law firms to have some element of vendor consolidation or enterprise-wide um, uh, sort of o- oversight as to what solutions and tools are being used because there is too much going on within the space and so to the extent that some of these platforms increasingly make that less so it can be probably might be a bit of a challenge for somebody who's overseeing technology at a law firm so it's one of these these balances of yeah, on one side, anything that can help with procurement speed of procurement, and speed of adoption is great on the innovation front, but on the flip side, just having control over what people are using, having those those solutions be tightly integrated again from a vendor consolidation standpoint, you know you just maybe there this this could be something that flies in the face of that a little bit,
0: so Matt, being in charge of the operations at Linklaters and with your background as an i t director. I'd like to ask, what type of technologies is Linklater's looking at and what are some of the challenges around those technology products?
2: So current things that are on our radar are, so number one, I would talk about robots. So we are currently spending quite a lot of time looking at how we can use robots to speed up, to provide extra levels of governance Can provide round the clock working for tasks that are done today. And ordinarily, the tasks that we're going after here are not, this is not about replacing human beings. This is about taking away some of those tasks that people do that they find quite routine, quite repetitive. And it's very easy these days to create a robot, and the robot will. We have an example, a good example is we have a, a system at month end where certain financial journals. Get sent to the robot on email the robot opens the email it takes the data in the email it logs into our financial systems it enters entries into our financial systems it closes the financial systems and then it responds to the email to say I've posted these journals successfully so we have something that does that and that c- that robot can work around the clock the barrier to extending that is skills I think human beings to help us think about how our processes work and how can we roboticize if that's such a word um, some of these processes is is a big challenge for us right now second area i would talk about is collaboration so we are increasingly seeing people wanting to collaborate and and collaboration takes a number of forms it is it's about how we share documents with clients it's about how we co-author documents with clients it's about the methods that we are using to contribute the changes that we want to make to our documents with clients. Today, email is the default and everything seems to go through our email system. And there are a number of different platforms out there that can be used, the likes of Slack and things like that to to change the way that teams are coming together. The use of Microsoft Teams is is another example that we get challenged on. And we are having to navigate more and more how people... Create where they save and then how they share documents and there's lots of demand from our lawyers to want to do it as I said before in one platform they don't like the fact that there are lots of tools here and you've got to remember actually if I want to do this particular task I've got to open that particular tool they don't like that they want it all to be in one place Um, people want to be able to save things privately and not share those things with clients but at the same time want sharing with clients to be easy so there's challenges in, in in all of that. We've then got lots of work we're doing around information security. So how are we getting indicators in the market that, that Linklater's or Linklater's client data is under threat? And we've got a number of different processes that, that help us determine what things we want to do and what actions we want to take internally. But to all of the change that's going on, and there is lots of it, as you rightly touched on in your question. The thing that we have to deal with most is how do we implement the change? And the biggest barrier at the moment to me being able to deliver a lot of things is what I would call change fatigue. So I think in the legal industry at the moment, many of our lawyers work extraordinarily hard. They work very long hours. They work every day of the week. And increasingly, they're saying, actually, I don't have time to be trained on this new tool. So if you're deploying technology to me, it needs to be simple. It needs to be easy. It needs to be minimal training time. It needs to be nice to look at uh, because otherwise it's, it's, it's painful to try and get it adopted. And so fitting new deployments in around lawyers' busy work schedules is a, is a massive challenge for us. There's also a dynamic that law firms
0: are starting to become tech producers themselves. How much emphasis does Linklater's put on buying legal technology from external sellers versus
2: using its own in-house tech team to develop legal tech solutions? The answer to this question is mixed in terms of my answer. or It will sound like I contradict myself because we've got a team of great developers in-house. But what we want those developers to be working on are things that give Linklater's an edge or a competitive advantage in the market. What we don't want those developers to be doing is spending their time creating solutions that can be bought off the shelf. So I would say my default answer is let me go out and let me procure from these fantastic vendors that we've got in the space who are investing loads of money in R&D, let me get best practice from them and let me use the tools internally and use our development capability internally to knit the tools together. And if we can do that, and if we can find a way of, of getting our teams internally to be making sure that our lawyers have got the very best experience on their desktop, uh, then we will be in a good place. Because we get the best of breed from the market, tools that are constantly up, updated, tools that are secure and are safe to use, along with something that gives the kind of a link later's edge to those tools. Uh, I mean, simple facts are... No law firm gets a competitive advantage from writing its own document management system or writing its own email management solution. But actually, there are lots of efficiencies that can be made in the way that you, that you take on matters, the way that you get to document signing quicker than, quicker than other firms. So there's, there is some elements of sort of secret source sort of that we should be looking at developing. Um, and that's what we need to use our in-house teams for. That's great. So, for some of our listeners, I'd also like to ask, what advice would you give to students entering the law? Uh, from my perspective, I think curiosity about technology is a is a big thing. I'm still surprised at the number of students that come into the firm today who are quite fearful about technology and don't. They are fearful in a way where they don't want to ask, they don't want to ask questions. They, they don't want to express their view on how things could be better or different. And I would just encourage people to be curious and to ask questions, engage with your technology team. I think all the technology teams that I've ever worked in, they want to engage with the people that are using the software on a day-to-day basis or consuming the services on a day-to-day basis. And the more you can get involved, the better the solution that will be created every time. And now
0: to the final question we ask of all of our speakers and some of them say that this is the hardest one. Um, can you tell us the name of a book that changed your perspective in a big way and that would be useful for our listeners?
2: I can go first. I've, uh, I've got a book that I refer to quite frequently and it changed my perception because of the time when the book was released and because of the subject it was about. So the book is called Insanely Simple and it's the obsession that drives Apple's success and it's written by a guy called Ken Ken Segal. And it was written at the point where Apple had kind of come back to life. They've, they've got the iPhone that they're developing, they've got the iPad, they're developing iMacs. And actually, when you look at some of the simplicity in their business model and what they were trying to drive, I keep coming back to it because as a, as a technology function, we frequently fall into the trap of making things more complicated than they need to be. And simplicity is very hard to achieve but it makes life so much simpler for people and I go I still go to that book regularly now the book that I that I thought of which is
1: I th- probably a bit further off base um, than I think p- folks would have thought about is a book by the name of uh, Rogue warrior um, I don't know if it necessarily changed my perspective on things dramatically but I think in terms of what that book is about in terms of some of the the undertones of it versus um what 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 some of the, the pages say um, superficially uh, is definitely a change in perspective um, so so for folks that don't know it it's a book that's written by a gentleman who's a very colorful person in US military uh, ex-military person here in the US by the name of Dick Marchenko. so Dick Marchenko is <clears throat> He's a former Navy SEAL and he was, he was the founder of SEAL Team 6, which for folks that don't know is probably our most elite uh, SEAL team and commando force that we have in the U.S. And it's effectively an autobiography of his history within the military and his experiences that he had with his teams and also his formation of this elite force called SEAL Team Six. And going back to what I mentioned before of it just being a, a, a little bit uh, different than in terms of what that book maybe comes across as in terms of a lot of bravado and a lot of things of that nature. But when you look past that, I think it's a very good read around giving people real real lessons of leadership of how to effectively work as a team as to how to communicate amongst a team as how to best operate as a team and i actually find it to be extremely insightful and, and extremely valuable and it's and it's arguably a fun read as well so that would be the book that uh, that i would use to answer your question
0: thanks well it has been an honor having both of you on um, and thanks for taking the time
2: thanks for having us thank you appreciate it